As a park ranger for 30 seasons I've seen some dumb stuff in the woods and some scary shit. My worst was chasing down a guy who had escaped from a mental treatment facility. If he was just camping in the deep woods I wouldn't have had an issue with him but he was routinely stealing the gusset out of women's and girls swimsuits left to dry on lines in the campground and girl scout areas. The gusset I'm told is the cotton part of a suit that touches the outer labia and skin. It's like a cotton soft cloth suing in for hygienic reasons I was told. One of the Girl Scouts moms came running up to me as I was on Pertal and told me she had seen the man run off on foot from the clothesline so I gave foot chase. This was in the days before our handheld radios could transmit further than back to the truck so I had one of the older girls go make notification to my office and like a dummy I took off running on the horse trail where I could see fresh prints. I ran about 2 miles or so and found a makeshift tent and campground set up. I also found cord and a linoleum knife and tape along with Ziploc gallon-sized bags of these gussets. Clearly our thief was headed in a new direction. I'm convinced my intervention prevented an abduction. My guy came out of the woods and I drew my service sidearm for our walk back. I had him handcuffed and in leg irons with a leash drag so I could trip him by stepping on it. I also made him sing the Star Spangled Banner as we ran to keep him out of breath if he decided to fight. When you're that far in the woods and unsure if you have help coming you need every advantage. My backup met us on the trail and we were able to handcuff our prisoner in the bed of the pickup for the ride to the office. I had to sit in the bed with him for the trip. He wasn't much of a chatter. The guys went back and cleaned out the site. He had been out there for a while and was definitely a bit of a time bomb. We didn't persuade anything criminal but he was committed someplace in Ulster County, New York. At a max security psych facility till his death. I used to put money on his commissary every now and again but I doubt he remembered me. While I was out camping with my kid, I became aware of a rustling sound occurring outside of our tent. To clarify, I mean that the darn thing was generating a lot of noise in the vicinity of our garbage. I mistook it for a bear at first. I removed the holster from my .45 caliber pistol and waited for the thing to start moving. It did not change its behavior at all and continued on as before. My pulse was beating at a rate of 250 beats per minute when I carefully unzipped the window flap and peered through it. Because of how brilliant the moon was, I was able to see that it was in fact a cow. When I opened the door flap, there were around a dozen cows standing around our camp spot, eating their cud. When I got up in the morning and glanced around, there were cow pies in every available space. Not just from the previous night, but even as we were setting up camp. I neglected to see the hundreds or perhaps thousands of old dried pies. During the winter months, you'll find me spending a lot of time in the wilderness. In most cases, it's just my buddy and I, and the majority of the trails we ride on are crowded in the summer but almost deserted when it begins to snow. We had traveled approximately 2 kilometers in by the time winter arrived in 2014 when we came upon a little black backpack in the middle of the route. We hadn't seen any other vehicles at the trailhead or any other people nearby, 
But the fact that there was no snow on this backpack indicated that it hadn't been there for very long, it had snowed the night before. It was a pretty strange sight, but we reasoned that if it was still on the route when we completed the circle, we would be able to retrieve it. Approximately 4 miles in, when my companion and I are carrying on a conversation, I look up ahead and see a huge person struggling in the woods. After a moment of silence, we are able to hear this guy babbling to himself as he walks about. At this point, we are quite spooked out, and we decide to turn back when we hear Oh Hawaii there, and this man begins heading towards us. And then out comes another guy with a video camera that seems like it costs quite a bit of money. It turned out that the man flailing about was really a rapper, and they were in the middle of shooting a music video for one of his newest songs out in the woods when they stumbled across him. Because they had parked before the trailhead, we did not see their vehicle when we arrived there. We eventually found out that the backpack we had noticed a few kilometers earlier on the path belonged to them when they turned out to be quite kind to us and offered us one of their business cards. After saying our farewells, we got up and left the building. However, hot damn, I was certain that we were going to be murdered when we were in the woods. I was supposed to go on this trip with my dad and his hunting companion, but I couldn't make it. They were in a remote region in the southeast corner of Wyoming looking for elk to shoot. They got up at 3.30 in the morning, just as any good elk hunter would, to stake out their location and observe the herd habits before dawn. They were getting closer to the location when they saw a person in their headlights. They could tell from the silhouette that it wasn't another hunter. What business did a person have wandering down the road naked in the pitch black with no hunting equipment on them? My grandfather was driving at the time, so he put the vehicle into park and slowed down to a crawl. Meanwhile, his friend readied his sidearm since it was clear that some kind of foul activity was afoot. When they were finally able to make out the figure in the headlights, they saw that it was a young woman dressed just in a tank top, underpants, and bare feet. They came to a halt and did a verbal check on her status while looking out the window since there was a possibility that someone was hiding in the sagebrush and waiting to ambush her. They got out of the vehicle and allowed her inside the cab when it became obvious that she was suffering from acute hypothermia and bleeding from her feet. From that vantage point, it is impossible to imagine that it was anything but a horrific event for the young lady. It is safe to say that I would not want to be picked up 40 miles outside of any town by two middle-aged rednecks. They drove her to a neighboring rural gas station, where they were frequent customers and friends with the proprietor and his wife, who was a retired nurse. They turned the heat up to its maximum setting and took her there. When the girl was finally able to pronounce her words, she informed them that she and her boyfriend had driven out there to have sex and drink before engaging in sexual activity. He lost his rage, grabbed her shoes, and flung them into the sage when she began suffering a seizure while they were having sexual relations. When she stepped out of the vehicle to locate them, he drove off, leaving her standing in the cold wearing just her underwear. The temperature was very close to freezing. She traveled what she thought to be around 4 miles on a gravel road before my dad spotted her. It's a good thing that hunters have an early start since she may have easily perished otherwise. Edit, 
I'd want to express my gratitude for the fantastic feedback. My dad is a fantastic person who embodies the spirit of a Wyoming man. He was really more angry about being late to the elk site than he was about anything else. This is a tale from my dad, not me. After having walked for a few of hours, I made the decision to stop and rest for a little time beneath a tree to see what the day would bring. I was trying to unwind when I became aware of a light that kept darting in and out of my field of vision. I turned to look in the direction that it was coming from, but I couldn't make out anything that was there. Then I glanced down and saw a red dot on my chest. I was confused. Someone with a bad attitude was pointing a laser sight in my direction. I shouted at him and began heading towards him, but he quickly retreated as he saw me coming. After that, I went back to the campsite to spend the remainder of the day there. He didn't believe that anybody was really attempting to shoot him, but he didn't want to be out there if people weren't going to be safe with their Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Firearms. When I was younger, I used to travel across Northern California on horseback for many weeks at a time while carrying my belongings in a pack. This occurred in the latter half of the 1970s and the early 1980s. Although I didn't use a compass very much, I made sure to have a map of the region with me at all times. I've never had to worry about getting lost since I'm quite excellent at estimating distances using landmarks. Except once. I was in the Six Rivers National Forest at the time, and I was traveling south into Trinity County. This is really difficult terrain, with a lot of high peaks, steep slopes, boulders all over the place, and horrible bush that will tie you up. As I rode along the ridges, my overall direction was south, and I was looking for straightforward passageways to go to the next crest whenever it was practicable to do so. It was a chilly 60F, which was cold for that time of year given that it was early August and the temperatures during the day regularly reached 90F or more. The clouds in the sky were partially overcast. After locating a place that would allow me to make it to the next ridge to the south of me, I began my descent. When I went down into the ravine, I saw that what seemed to be a straightforward path from higher up was really a treacherous rocky maze. I began hiking up the ravine in the hopes of discovering a more direct route out of that area. A gust of wind came up, and it began raining slightly. After walking for a mile or so, 
I looked about but couldn't see anything that I was willing to risk breaking my neck on, or, more significantly, the hooves of my horse, so I chose to start climbing the side that I had initially descended on. I made it to the top, took a few steps back to assess my surroundings, and immediately went into shock. The terrain has undergone a dramatic transformation. I do not imply that it was simpler, less difficult, or had less rocks. I mean that none of my recognizable landmarks were there anymore, some of them had been mountains that were 30 to 40 miles away, while others were much closer. It was totally unrelated to anything else. I was utterly confused and had no clue where I was since I had no idea where I was. I grabbed my map out of its hiding place and began to go over where I was, the angles on the hills I had been navigating by earlier, and other pertinent information. I looked everywhere, but I came up empty-handed. The only thing that I was absolutely certain of recognizing was the path that led up from the ravine that I had just climbed out of. I was unable to navigate by the sun since the sky was overcast, the only markers I had were the ones I used for dead reckoning, but they were no longer there. The temperature began to plummet as the wind picked up, and it was very, very windy. I was getting close to expecting snow. I was completely lost, so I decided to retrace my steps to the most recent location I could accurately pinpoint in order to see if I could continue my journey from there. I began by going in the direction of the hill's descent, reached the bottom of the ravine, and then began climbing the ravine in the other way. This time, I made sure to exercise extreme caution by looking out for traces of my previous journey and the slope that I had down in the first place. The rain stopped falling, the wind eased down, and the temperature in the sky began to rise. I went back down the hill till I located my original route, then I began climbing back up until I reached the summit. Now, all of the recognizable landmarks were present. I had no idea what was going on. I continued walking along the ridge while keeping a close eye out for the spot where I had arrived at earlier. When I arrived at the location where I believed it to be, there was no indication that it was there. After a period of casting back and forth in an attempt to locate my path, I was ultimately unsuccessful. There was a clear view of all of my significant landmarks. After some time, I stopped struggling and proceeded down the ridge. A little while later, I came to an easy track that led down, as well as an easy trail that led back up the other side, and I proceeded about my journey. To this day, I still have no clue as to what took place. Even though it was raining, I ought to have been able to see the landmarks that were closer to me, and in all honesty, the landmarks that were farther away were huge enough to see. When I got to the spot where I had climbed the mountain for the first time, there was no indication that it had started to drizzle when I went there for the second time. And the temperature was wildly fluctuating that day, easily ranging from 30 to 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Although it's not unheard of in the mountains, it's quite unusual for that time of year at that location. Another thing, when I first got there, I had considered climbing up the other side, but I decided against it since there was nothing stopping me from doing so at that moment. From where I stood atop the hill, the view was clear. However, when I arrived there were a large number of stones obstructing my path, which I ought to have been able to see from the top. 
uneasily spooky and eerie. Certainly, at that time, nevertheless, I was more preoccupied with attempting to get my bearings. But when I think about it now, it seems much more significant. My dad's childhood friend was killed in a hunting accident. He was shot right out of his tree stand on state land. This was back in the late 1980s, when I was young. Nobody ever turned themselves in and I doubt from the angle slash caliber that they ever even found the bullet. To this day, his murder is unsolved. After that, my mom forbade my dad to go hunting, and by extension, me. I hear too many stories of people getting pissed drunk and doing stupid things with guns in the woods anyway. I'm lucky enough now to own 10 acres of property where I can take a deer just about every year with a shotgun, but I don't think I will ever hunt on state land. So I have two stories. First, the not so creepy one. I was about 20 miles out in the back country on a week-long hunting trip. By myself. Woke up in the middle of the night to a bear sticking its snout into the fabric of my tent. I immediately started meditating to slow my breath and just weather the situation. Because I knew if I moved or made a run for my car I'd be dead. The next morning I found some paw prints and they were the biggest bear prints I've ever seen. Second very creepy story. Was deep in the woods this time too. Set up camp in a very nice little ravine. When I woke up there was a ring of big rocks around my camping area. They weren't there when I got there slash set up camp. I'm also a stout dude and I couldn't move any of the rocks. I was raised in the woods and now I refuse to go out there without a large caliber gun and I refuse to sleep out in the woods anymore. Three years ago I was hunting in Namaji State Forest in Minnesota. If you know anything about this area there are wetlands everywhere swamps and sinkholes litter the land it's like nothing I've ever seen. This land is tough and mean and if you go in unplanned and do not mark your way out there's a good chance no one will ever see you again it was a foggy morning and the second week of deer opener and I was trailing along I had my rifle across my chest with both hands on the scope and just trying to find an area where I could see more than 10 feet in front of me. The further and I realized I was lost and then the oh shit set and I walked a little further ahead trying to get my bearing and before I knew it I stepped forward and sunk. I'm up to my forehead in mud and sinking with my only anchor being my rifle but in barrel that just so happened to be wider than the sinkhole I managed to get myself in. My only hope was to pull myself out and I tried for four and a half hours screaming my lungs off for help and trying in vain to pull myself out but every time I would pull up my rifle would sink lower and lower jumping up to yell and get a breath of air then submerged in mud and sludge. After 5 hours I came to terms that I was not getting out I was going to die in a sinkhole and no one would ever find me I just thought about my wife and mom and how much it would hurt them to never find my body and go the rest of their lives without knowing what happened to me I thought of my two girls and how I had wasted my life on a hunting trip and that I was never going to be there for them anymore and at that point I think I probably looked like Leonardo DiCaprio from the reverent crawling through the snow. I was cursing and praying and cursing more using my last bit of energy to get out. 
I thought if I'm going to die I'm going to make damn sure I exacerbate every fiber of my being before I entomb myself in this literal hell hole. Again no luck and out of nowhere this feeling of euphoria just rushed through my body I was sad but happy at the same time and understood it was my time to go my body was broken I was beginning to feel hypothermia set in and out of nowhere I felt these two pair of hands grab mine that was still clenched to my rifle and slowly started getting pulled out of the sinkhole. A father and son had tracked a deer they shot to within 5 feet to where I sank and to this day that deer has made me feel like a god is out there or it was my guardian angel where its life ended I was reborn and given a second chance. And after the week in the hospital recovering from dehydration hypothermia and the askicking I gave myself. I walked out of there promising myself to never take a second for granted it's made me a better father to my children and a better man I truly believe. I still wake up at night screaming with the rage I had trying to pull myself up sinking deeper and deeper covered in sweat with my heart pounding and when I do I go check on my now three girls and I just think to myself how lucky I am to be alive. And lastly I have given up hunting or even going into deep woods maybe one day I will try again but every time I think about it I just start shaking even writing this has had me in tears. On a side note a man from the Twin Cities this last hunting season disappeared in the very same area I was hunting look it up if you don't believe me and. Every time I would see his face on the news or in the paper I could just imagine him in my head struggling to get out but unfortunately for him and his family he has still not been found. The only reason I am still here today was my rifle and how I held it across my chest. Growing up we hunted regularly as a family, my dad, brother, and I, for boar and deer, but my story actually happened when we were on a backpacking trip. In the mid-90s we went on a backpacking trip 11 miles one way, the location is Sierra Nevadas, Carson Iceberg Wilderness, Boulder Peak Area, Boulder Lake. If you google it, it's in BFE. We were going to camp at a lake for 3 days then hike out. We get about 9 miles into the hike and we come through a clearing and there is a huge mountain of granite, it cascades away from us in large 30 foot flat slabs. We hike around it and pass by the last slab, which is like shoulder to knee height, and my dad gets startled and jumps back. My uncle is naked sunbathing on the rocks. He didn't know we were going up there, we live like 3.5 hours away. What the F? He puts his clothes on and we have a casual conversation, then he heads down the trail and we proceed on. My dad said initially he thought it was a carcass. So weird and so random. Anyhow, sorry for the story. It didn't really make me want to not go back into the woods. It was just so random. In September this year I was hunting antelope out near the Red Desert in Wyoming. I had just shot my antelope and was walking about 150 yards out to where he dropped so I could tag and begin field dressing the animal. I should mention I'm about 40 miles from the main road and I had not seen another human or vehicle since I got off the main road. This area is so extremely remote it's hard to even describe. So as I'm walking out to the antelope I look up and about 1 to 2 miles off in the distance I see this extremely bright light zooming over the landscape and headed my way. 
I thought it was probably a game warden on a side by side coming to check my paperwork and all. No big deal, I keep walking out and find the animal and look up and this light dives down into the sagebrush and I can no longer see it. It was about half a mile from me when it disappeared. I also notice I don't hear any engine if it is in fact someone on a motorized vehicle. I'm mostly confused at this point, not sure what the hell this light is or where it went but I continue on and tag the antelope. It takes me all of 10 to 15 seconds to put the tag on. Then I look up and I see the light traveling away from me now and it's about 3 to 5 miles away from me and going at least 100 miles per hour. It was really zooming way faster than any vehicle could travel over that type of terrain. Also, there are no roads or anything where the light is traveling so I don't know how it was going so fast. I'm pretty spooked at this point. I field dressed the animal as fast as I could and dragged it back to my truck, I just had a very uneasy feeling at this point. I have no idea what that light was although some others have speculated it was a drone but if it was a drone operated by the game warden why didn't he come check me out once I got back to my truck? Last spring I was also hunting elk sheds and moose paddles off the Atlantic City Road. I'd found this pretty cool aspen stand that was tucked away out in the prairie with lots of signs of large game. It was about a mile from the road so I parked and started hiking directly towards these trees with my dog and get about 50 meters from it and I hear this huge crash and yup howdy Mr. Pissed Off Moose. This moose ran out into the open onto the road directly in front of me and was staring me down and I about crap myself because there's really nowhere to run. I drew my pistol but I was so shaky I would have been better off at that point to tell my dog to run and shoot myself in the head cause if that moose decided to charge me I was toast. Luckily after a few tense minutes that moose turned and trotted up over this bluff behind the trees and was gone. I if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Collected myself and kept walking albeit slowly up over the same bluff because I figured if he kept on going I'd at least be able to see where he was because you can see about 20 miles in all directions from the top of that bluff. When I get to the top though I look around with my binocs and the guy was gone and Therese no way he could cover any of that ground fast enough to be over the horizon so either he circled back around behind me and went back into the aspen stand or he was laying down pissed off waiting to ambush me, I hate moose. So I did this big ass loop probably 2 miles circling back to my truck though areas with the least amount of sagebrush hoping I never kicked the moose up, luckily I didn't. My poor dog was so scared though she kept trying to jump into my arms so I would carry her which she never does. And I still never found single shed that entire time. After helping my dad and brother quarter a big bull elk in the middle of nowhere, I went up the hill first because I had the lightest load. I figured I'd get my quarters to the top and then go back down and help my dad with the chest cavity. It had just stopped snowing and when I was resting at the top of the hill, I glanced down and saw paw prints in the snow. That had no snow in them. I knew based on the size it was either a wolf or mountain lion, but after looking closer I realized I just saw pads on the foot and not nails slash claws making a mark in the front of the print. This meant I was definitely looking at the tracks of a big mountain lion who had been 50 yards from us as we worked on the elk. My dad was at the bottom of the hill, I had a front quarter on my back, and a hind quarter on the sled I was pulling behind me, and no gun. I knew it was just three of us and I'd be around my dad the whole time who was armed, so I didn't bring an additional firearm. I was a walking buffet standing right where the cat had been a few minutes before, there's no question he was looking at me. I calmly set the quarters down and made my way down to my dad. He agreed that I should have done what I did and even joked about it saying at least our load won't be as heavy when we get back up there, I bet he took the front quarter. We got back up the hill and my quarters had been untouched, with no additional cat tracks around it. All three of us were paranoid as hell walking back the two miles to the truck, not knowing if at any moment the cat might decide he was hungry. We made it back home just fine and laughed about the whole thing as we were cleaning and butchering the elk. One of my experiences happened on family-owned land in North Carolina where I used to live. I still hunt so it never kept me from going again. 
We called it the noise to this day if you ask people who live or lived adjacent to the land about it they know exactly what you are talking about. Whatever it is was very loud and very fast. It was like a very loud primal scream. First time I heard it I was hunting with my dad and brother we were stalk hunting and very slowly and methodically moving through the forest. I noticed everything had gotten oddly quiet only thing you heard was the water running over the rocks in the creek. My dad stopped us and said to hold still and not to move. As soon as we stopped it screamed behind us it was so loud it made my ears ring. My dad never showed fear and was always rational he looked very nervous and I'm ready to crap on myself. My brother has his gun shouldered looking around trying to spot it just to see what it is and make sure it isn't close. Then it screams again now it seems closer and in front of us. My dad puts his hand on my shoulder and just says run for the car now. I jump up like a scared rabbit and run as fast as my legs will carry me. We are all running and we can hear this thing screaming as we run like it's keeping pace easily. I can see the gravel road ahead and know the car is close. It lets out another scream that sounds like it's to my left now and very close I bolt right and we all come sliding out onto the road about 100 yards above the car. That's when I hear this weird whistle from the woods and then everything just goes back to normal. Birds chirping away, squirrels calling, crows cawing, we stop to catch our breath and uneasily walk to the car ready for anything. 100 yards never seemed so far away. That wasn't the last time I heard it. In fact I have more stories that involve the noise if anyone wants to hear about them I will gladly share. My family tried to find it for years to figure it out when we thought we were close it would be somewhere else. Even trained hunting dogs ran away from this thing. Weird stuff but I still love to hunt, the way I figure if something gets me while I'm hunting at least I'm doing something I love and being close to nature I harvest her bounty and thank her for it, one day my body will feed her and the animals I hunted. Climbed up a tree before daylight in a remote holler in southern Ohio. Just as it was light enough to see, shooting light we call it, I hear a rustling coming down the hill, maybe 150 yards away. Cruising toward me is what I can only describe as a Tasmanian devil-like whirl of brown and gray moving in a straight line along the ground at high speed down a sloped hill and then off a steep 15 drop off and then under my tree and then through the thickest brush imaginable behind me where the creek was, and then eventually out of sight in audible range. So I observed maybe 300 yards of travel, although lost visual in the thicket, which all occurred in a very straight line at supernatural high speed. I'm in a perch with nothing else to do but put my entire focus on it and still I can't figure out what it is, and as it passed under me all I see, again, is a ghostly blur of grey and brown and leaves. Total time elapsed was less than 10 seconds. I've seen dozens of coyotes and several bobcats and yes that is probably what this was. But its movement was so out of the ordinary at that moment my senses computed that it couldn't have been either of those. I got tingles and the hair stood up on the back of my neck. It's a mundane story but the actual experience definitely felt supernatural. To begin, I'll admit that we were hiking, not hunting. I was with my brother-in-law. 
In the Appalachians, it's usually snowy in December, but that year it was a constant 40F or so, and too foggy to see very well. We made our way into a dense rainforest area and found what looked like an extremely overgrown, rarely trodden erosion forming a path. This didn't make sense, it was on the back of an inconvenient mountain peak, very craggy, and not on the way to anywhere, not even another trail. So we followed it. The deciduous canopy lay rotting on the winter ground, but little sunlight broke through anyway due to the deep fog and mountain shadow. It felt haunted. We descended into a hollow with a small creek at the bottom, and rounded a bend into a dense clump of rhododendron. Inside this rhododendron brush, we started to see weird things, like decaying rope, rusted metal, paracord, and supplies. Then the trail ended. Between two oak trees that formed a window through the brush, we could see a rusted body of metal with face-sized holes of glass on the sides. We made out the shape of a small plane from the scattered pieces. The body was only in two pieces, but the wings were unrecognizable. There was a bit of graffiti on the plane, but not as much as you would expect. It had clearly been there for a while, but some of the original gear was still in the body. I wrote down the number on the side for reference. When I got home, I googled the plane number, and found a result. Accident Report, March 1977, Western North Carolina. Damaged beyond repair. One passenger. One fatality. Body recovered. Plane unsalvageable. We found the plane in 2016. That wreckage had been left to rot for 39 years and some of the gear still had not been stolen. I know it was only one death, but that place had a deeply unsettling aura. I am not superstitious. I do not believe in ghosts, but there was something strange about that place, and I won't forget it. I didn't crawl into the plane's body, both out of fear and because I wanted to be respectful to whoever died there, but I did take pictures of it all from the outside. A few of years ago, my family and I went fishing in the northern region of British Columbia with my father, my uncle, and our cousins. A trip of two hours was required to reach the lake and river from the closest city. When I realized I wanted to use the restroom, we were moving downstream on the river, and I had to get out of the boat to do so. As I go about my day-to-day -day activities, I sometimes glance over my shoulder and see what looks to be the rooftop of a nearby structure. I turn to the other individuals in the boat and explain what I had just seen to them. As he approached the building, he became aware that he wasn't the only one there. A number of houses and other structures smack dab in the center of the woods. We kept our distance since the Native American tribe was quite tiny and located in a remote area. Although it wasn't very spooky, I didn't want to stir up any issue. We went on without making any more touch. When my mama kid, her and the whole family went camping. Well, one night, when everyone was sleeping, a bear entered my grandma's tent. It began sniffing around and sorta of woke up my grandma with its cold wet nose when it was sniffing her face. With it being dark and her still half a sulsp, she just assumed it was the family dog, 
So she slapped its snout and told it to foe FF. Which it did. The next morning she yelled at one of my uncles who was supposed to have made sure the dog stayed in their truck overnight. He told her the dog was in the truck all night, and that he even slept in truck with the dog. So he knows the dog never got out. It was the bear paw prints in and around her tent that confirmed it definitely wasn't the dog that had sniffed her face. Herper rather than Hunter in this case. During the summer of 2016, I took a herpetology class and several of my classmates and I went to a nearby park to explore for amphibians and reptiles. While we were there, we stumbled upon two little wooden teepees and a card table covered with animal bones. It seemed as if we had accidentally stumbled into the Blair Witch Project. Each of the constructions included a little altar that held more bones preserved in jars, plants, and many other odd souvenirs and knickknacks. We left that area quickly and reported what had happened to the volunteer coordinator with whom we were working. We discovered out some time later that several homeschooled children in the area loved to play in the woods, and it seemed probable that they were the ones who had gathered the items that we came upon in the woods. I can get kids wanting to build forts in the woods, but some of the things these kids came up with are very disturbing. Even though I'm not a hunter, here's my tale. I used to work for a county in rural Kansas as a field appraiser, which is sometimes sometimes called an assessor, depending on where you reside. I was visiting a property collecting data on several 20-foot shipping containers that had developed in the area over the last few months and looking at them. During the hunting season, it was evident that they were being utilized as cabins for hunters to stay in. I had just finished eating and turned around to get back to my truck when I saw two hunters standing exactly where they had been before. They had on ghillie suits and high-caliber guns that were pointing in my direction. They were outfitted like snipers from head to toe. That gave me the creeps to say the least. Naturally, they were rude and angry toward me, but, after they discovered what I was up to, the situation became much more heated. In all honesty, I can't say that I blame them. They noticed me looking at everything, taking measurements, and taking pictures of the environment as I walked about. Anyway, we're doing a drive by Crystal Mountain, Spooner Y area, and Teresa Highline cut through the middle of the woods. Dad's sitting in a stand at the bottom of them waiting for us to push the deer through the woods to him. We walk past him doing our drive and continue down the hill to the road. Dad stays in his stand to see if any deer circle back. We make it to the road and are planning out our next drive when Dad comes sprinting down the hill yelling we gotta get the F out of here, he said a giant, shit-stinking gorilla came out of the woods behind us. Man, his eyes tear up when he explains the smell of it. Anyway, we all headed up the road back to our trucks after that. He's told me a couple more stories of them from the 40s and 50s, but I'm all ready to hyped up to sleep and don't want to talk about anymore. Maybe tomorrow. Edit, this one he tells me and can barely get through the story. My old man has seen some shit. He was coon hunting when he was young by himself. 
The hounds treat a coon deep in a swamp way out in Phmanong Wai. He gets down in the swamp to kill the coon when he hears a gnarly scream that he says lasts like two minutes. The dogs tuck tail and go screaming past him out of the swamp. Dad said he froze and started looking around with his spotlight. I can't imagine how shitty those lights were back in the 50s. Anyway he said about two car lengths away standing there full on pissed off and huffing was the tallest meanest looking hairy creep he's ever seen, his words. He never says Sasquatch. I think it's a defense mechanism. Then the smell hit him and he said the dogs quit howling the wind stopped blowing and the earth stopped living. He slowly started backing away and the thing made every move exactly the way my dad did. He's usually stuttering and getting weird around this part of the story. He says he turned tail and ran faster than any human could. He left the dogs, left his gun, everything. Just got in his truck and went and got my uncles. They got the dogs later that night. He said those dogs were never the same again in the woods and he had to sell them off. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hopefully this will be seen so here is another story about the noise it's about my brother and his personal encounter. My brother was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was 13 so he had gotten to where he rode his bike all the time down the trails of the forest. So one day he is going down one of the trails that run behind our house and there is a smaller trail that forks off and goes to our house this is important later. So he is just out riding trying to get exercise when he notices a fairly large tree had fallen across the trail. Not wanting to go flipping and flying or mess up his bike he stops so he can pick it up and just take it over. So he gets off steps over the tree and is about to pull his bike over when it just as he described it let out a deep loud scream you felt in your chest. So he jumps back over and hops on his bike and pedals as hard as he can back towards the house. So he says as he is going as hard as possible he can hear this thing keeping pace because it is doing quick whoop sounds or screams and he can hear it hitting the underbrush. He said he kept looking and could never see it but knows it was swapping sides of the trail. So this is over 5 minutes in and he is still going hard and this thing is just toying with him like it's a game. He sees the fork in the trail that leads to the house he is almost at the point to turn when this thing crosses the trail ahead of him like it knows where he is going. He said it moved so fast all he saw was just a big black blur shoot across. He makes the turn puts the bike in another gear to get more speed and gets close to the house and he hears it stop and it just screams as loud as it can and then everything is just normal again. 